This is the Natural Eye Care Podcast, hosted by leading holistic optometrist Dr. Mark R. Grossman. Senior citizens are at the highest risk of developing macular degeneration, glaucoma, cataracts, dry eye, and more. The Natural Eye Care Podcast provides complementary and natural approaches to vision problems, eye health, and overall health. Find out how lifestyle, diet, and nutrition can help maintain healthy vision and even improve eyesight. Dr. Grossman has degrees in optometry, biology, physical education, and learning disabilities. He is a New York State licensed acupuncturist. With 40 years of experience, he has co-authored the book, Natural Eye Care, Your Guide to Healthy Vision and Healing. Dr. Grossman. Today, we're going to be talking about the Bates Method. Dr. William Bates. Dr. William Bates was a respected New York ophthalmologist who lived from 1860 to 1931. He was a graduate of the College of Physicians and Surgeons at Columbia University. And from 1886 to 1891, he was an instructor of ophthalmology at the New York Postgraduate Medical School and Hospital. From 1919 until 1930, he published a monthly magazine called Better Eyesight. In 1920, he published his book, Perfect Sight Without Glasses. He was the founder of the Bates Method, a method of training by which specific eye exercises were used to improve vision. Bates not only was an eye doctor, he was also a scientist and he approached his work in vision training with a scientific standpoint. He investigated why vision changed for the worse by examining patients in many different emotional states. And he noted how emotions seem to have a direct impact upon vision. He wrote of many cases in which patients' nearsightedness nearsightedness or farsightedness would change as their mood changed. He concluded, ultimately, that the eyeball itself must be able to change its shape. Though this was a hard conclusion for him to make because it disputed everything that he had learned in medical school. Writing in the April 23, 1923 issue of Better Eyesight, L.L. Beadle gives some background of Bates' early work. For the benefit of those who are unable to attend Dr. Bates' lecture before the New York Association of Osteopaths at the Waldorf Astoria on Saturday evening, February 17th, I decided to take down a few notes, which now I will try to compile. The chairman introduced Dr. Bates by stating that osteopaths take away the crutches and Dr. Bates takes away the glasses. He, Dr. Bates, then began by telling how he first made his first discoveries and cited the opposition he had to buck against. He stated that his attitude of mind, ever since he was a little boy, was to find out all the facts possible about a subject and then to work on these as a basis rather than on a guess or theory. 
When he began practicing medicine in 1885, one of the first patients who came to him had a slight degree of nearsightedness. Upon examining his eyes, he found that the patient was not nearsighted all the time. When the patient would look at a blank wall and not try to see anything, his eyes for a short periods were normal. He persuaded this patient to go without his glasses, and his eyes reached a point where they stayed normal all the time. Dr. Bates said that he had started boasting about this hospital about the improvement. However, it got so on the house surgeon's nerves that he brought up a ward patient who was nearsighted, and with that patient, Bates managed equal success. Much to his surprise, instead of the doctors praising him and trying to find out how he accomplished these impossible improvements, Dr. Bates suddenly became very unpopular with the rest of the staff. These successes, nevertheless, nevertheless, spurned him on his experiments at the New York Aquarium and at the laboratory of the Columbia College of Physicians and Surgeons. He discovered that the accommodation of the eye is not brought about by the change in the shape of the lens, but also by, by, the, by the lengthening and shortening of the eyeball itself as the bellows of a camera. Due to his theories, Dr. Bates was expelled from the university. This was quite a handicap, but he obtained a small laboratory for himself and he continued his work. Controversial to the end, Bates insisted that his experiments prove that patients' prescriptions were not fixed, but could and did change depending on their emotional states. And even though he would document case after case for years, he was never able to get the medical community at large to accept his theories. Today we know about the neuroplasticity of the eye-brain connection because embryologically, physiologically, neurologically, the eye is brain tissue. If you can change your mind, you can change your eyes, as I believe Dr. Bates knew over a 100 years ago. The Bates method presents the patient with a series of exercises that were designed to be of no harm to anyone who did them. Bates' intent in the design of his system was to create a number of exercises that were good for the good of the general public. He felt that a person with any eye condition could do his exercises, possibly with vision improvement, and certainly with no harm done. While all the exercises could be done by all people, some of them were geared to specific disorders. The Bates method proved to be very popular because it presented the possibility of patients seeing clearly without glasses. Note that at the early part of the last century, glasses were not popular fashion accessories like they are now. With their plastic frames and glass lenses, they were both heavy and unattractive. Those wearing them were commonly called four eyes, and young women of the day were reminded that men 
seldom made passes at girls who wear glasses. Remember that line from years ago. So the enticement of being able to toss away those glasses and see clearly was potent indeed. One of the most famous advocates of the Bates method was Aldous Huxley. The British novelist, while working with Bates student Margaret Corbett, wrote a book titled The Art of Seeing. It was about his own experience with natural vision improvement, and it is still one of my favorite books today. Among the core questions raised by Bates about traditional eye care had to do with glasses. Why, Bates asked, if prescription lenses corrected defects, did a patient ever need stronger glasses? Bates concluded that glasses only artificially, that's right, he was correct, correct vision defects, and in sewing, actually contribute to the deterioration of vision of the eyes. That's right. Most of the time, people get their first prescription, and about 75-80% of the people a year or two later need stronger glasses. Bates was correct. In his book, Better Eyesight Without Glasses, he wrote, Corrective lenses require the eye to strain to the exact prescription level in order to see correctly. The precise center of the lens is the place of best sight and therefore causes the wearer to hold the eyes rather fixed and immobile, looking through the center, turning the head rather than the eyes. He felt that this accounted for the stuck look in the eyes of many nearsighted people who wore glasses full time. Bates' theory was that the tension in the extraocular muscles of the eyes was responsible for difficulties with sight. He felt that these muscles, which are responsible for moving the eye up, down, left, and right, and on a diagonal, could either flatten or enlarge next to the eyeball, depending upon where the eyes were focused. Bates thought, therefore, that the reason patients needed prescription glasses was that they misused the extraocular muscles and that the primary way to help with the tension caused by this misuse was to train the muscles to relax. That's right, relax with a series of exercises. Once they were relaxed, the muscles would function correctly. In his theory of eyesight, Bates also believed that the muscles surrounding the eye consisted of conscious muscles which could be trained to act on direct command and unconscious muscles which could only imitate the actions of the conscious muscles. Thus, one of the goals of the Bates therapy was to train his patients in the control of the conscious muscles, believing that the unconscious muscles would follow their lead. Note that the Bates theory formed in the early part of the 20th century was in fact confirmed in scientific fact in 1964. Overall, Bates presented three principles for natural vision improvement. The first, called movement, 
with that the eyes are made for movement, those eyes need to move, and that all sense perception is based in movement. He found, through his research, that when we are placed under stress, what happens? Our eye movements tends to slow to a stare. Our breathing rate also tends to slow as we intensify visual concentration. His second principle was called centralization. It states that the human mind and eyes together develop a skill for directing their full attention at one specific central point at a time. Since the human eye can see only one point clearly at a time. And his third principle was called relaxation. Bates felt that vision as a process is 90% mental and 10% physical. He felt that if patients have to strain to see, they will cause tension in their entire visual system. Bates said, you can teach people how to produce any errors in refraction, how to produce a crossed eye, how to see two images of an object at any angle from each other, simply by teaching them how to think in a particular way. Bates believed that in order to improve vision, it was essential to develop the mind's ability to visualize. In fact, nearly all of the exercises in the Bates method integrate movement, breathing, awareness, and relaxation with imagery. Bates stressed the importance of a patient's being conscious of their breathing when doing his eye exercises, or at least being aware of when they are not breathing or holding their breath. He also spoke of the importance of blinking, not only to lubricate the eyeballs, but also to prevent the tendency to stare while performing a visual task. The Bates method was based on the interrelationship of movement, awareness, relaxation, and visualization as they affect visual function and human behavior. And this makes him one of the pioneers in the history of natural vision improvement. His work has greatly informed the philosophy and practice of myself. So I integrate the Bates method in many, many of my eye protocols, whether it's myopia, presbyopia, hyperopia, farsightedness, cataracts, glaucoma, macular degeneration, you, you pick it. The Bates method is a big part of how I work with people to help improve their eyes. So I hope you enjoyed the little insight to the Bates method, and we will talk about other people who about the history of vision therapy. Thanks for listening to Dr. Mark Grossman and the Natural Eye Care Podcast. For more information, visit naturaleyecare.com and drgrossman2020.com. Our email address is info at naturaleyecare.com. If you have any questions, call us 845-475-4158. And if you don't already subscribe to this podcast, please subscribe and review us.